So welcome everyone. Thank you for being on the Feed Your Podcast show. This is your host, Gabe, and I'm so excited. I'm sitting over here in Thailand with an incredible yoga teacher from Australia that happened to see my practice, come to Yin Yoga, and this is the first live, actual live, where I get to talk to the person not on the phone recording, but recording live. So if you're getting to hear some of the birds and some of the children in the pool, then hopefully that excites you to come join the retreats that I run in Thailand. And the next retreat will be in June. However, you're here now, and I'm sitting here with Frank and Benucci, right? Benucci. Benucci. Frank Benucci. That's right. And um, <laughs> as usual, I'm going to let Frank kind of give us a little bit about a little bit about his background, because there are going to be some words, but at least we get to hear his voice, get a little chance to feel his vibrating, incredible smile <laughs> over here in the beaches of Thailand and Phuket. Go ahead, Frank. Take it over. Um, so my name is Frank. Um, I'm actually on here on holiday, and as Gabrielle said, or Gabe, um, as um, he likes to be called sometimes, um, yeah, we're just at a restaurant nearby and looked over my shoulder and saw Gabe practicing at a nearby studio and um, thought I'll, I'll chat to him after I finish my meal and I did. So, and here we are. So yeah, we've been hanging out randomly and planned as I went to your yin class and um, yeah, and we're just having an interview today. So. You can fire away and ask me anything you like. I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> See, and that's the intricacies of travel. And so those of you who are yoga teachers and are trying to step into the traveling dimension, then hopefully this podcast kind of gives you some ideas and puts a little flame under your feet. Because there's all kinds of people that you get to meet and interact with once you step onto the road. And so, Frank, I'm really excited that you did show up and choose to talk to me. And now I have a chance to put you on the spot with the fun podcast that I run. I was going and, to talk to you anyway. Uh, okay, that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, really, you know, like, I mean, one of my interests for the podcast and one of the exciting things for me to meet another male yoga teacher is because we live in an industry that, as male teachers, we, seem, we can have an interesting perspective on what goes on in the yoga world. So I'd really like to ask you, as a male yoga teacher, what are some of the challenges that you found yourself encountering while teaching yoga? Um, well, I think uh, one challenge that I find is um, generally the classes are filled with females and there's no males at all. So even before I taught, I was the only male participant in the class. Um, and after a few months of going, eventually some other males will trickle in. So I guess being a teacher, a male teacher now, um, you know, my hope is that more males will attend. And since I have been teaching at some regular places, um, I think about a third of my participants are male, which is a nice shift with being you know, mostly female in the class. But um, I think as a teacher in general, one of my main challenges is getting people to slow down and sit with the postures mm -hmm. and rather than having it as a, oh, I want to do this posture, I want to do that posture and making it as a... Instagram feed. Well, yeah, or <laughs> as a show-offy kind of thing and, you know, and I always, and even people who struggle in class, they're like, oh, you could have made the class a lot harder. So, well, I could have, but <laughs> I can see your practice and there's no way you'll be doing things, you're doing things inaccurately now right. and you want me to do some harder stuff and, you're, you know, it's just a recipe for injury. So, and that, I think that's just a challenge that, like, I face a lot. Mm. And I think a lot of teachers face that a lot and it's trying to break down those barriers to get the students to realise to sit in that moment and be in that moment and notice what's happening with their thoughts and in their physical body. Fantastic. And, yes. you know, just to be aware. 
and I think we you know we lose this awareness in everyday life. Sadly, yes, and I'm, I love the way you just were honestly well coming from the direction of the lack of male practi- practitioners mm. for whatever reasons. You know, they may have like their ideas and, and the like, and I, as a male practitioner, uh, face that as well. And to see the world of men, and one of the reasons for me interviewing men into the podcast is to hopefully get more men um, breaking down the idea barrier of that yoga is somehow a feminine type of practice, primarily because more women are in the practice. Well, I think part of the challenge is that, you know, yeah, a lot of, you know, well, traditionally from a Western side, um, that it's yoga saying, oh, that's a female thing to do, it's a feminine thing to do, so it's more of a... Yeah, a breathing and gentle, and um, and men shouldn't be doing it unless they're sweating or challenging their physical strength and power, or you know, not so much striking their egos. But you know, I just think you know, the world is moving more towards. Yes, men can cry. Men can have these feelings that you know traditionally we're supposed to be bottled up and never show at all right. so and i think that's a good shift to have you know meant you know particularly with our mental capacity so uh you know you think of you know lots of bad things happening to females which it does but secretly a lot of bad things happen to males as well such exactly. as depression and suicide suicidal thoughts and things like that so i think it's a good thing to have that open door and to show males, yes, you can come to a class. It's not just for females. And exactly. Explore this energy that the space has to offer and you take whatever tools that you want from the class or classes to help you on your physical and emotional journey. No, I love the way you just perspected that. And a lot of times I think people forget that even a person like Bishno Ghosh, who was a world-class bodybuilder, and yet was also a world-class yoga teacher mm. who was eminent about the practice of yoga being a tool mm. for physical well-being and physical health mm. and being a person who was also a bodybuilder and a weightlifter and a champion world weightlifter out of India to see his form and his body when you see pictures of a person that has obviously bigness to him or largeness mm. of body and yet the muscles look like they're long and they don't have that shapeness of what we see in the shortness of bodybuilding industry today. <laughs> and that shortness of muscles, and yes, the physique look might be nice for an Instagram picture, but unfortunately is not necessarily healthy mm. in the long-term experience of life. Yeah, well, your movement's restricted, isn't it? Exactly. You're walking like a marshmallow man. Exactly. You can't do that exactly. everywhere. <laughs> you can't do it all the time. And sadly, you're going to only cause yourself more tension as you age. That's right. And here, the idea, though, of Bishno Ghosh being a bodybuilder and someone who, prof- who really profoundly wanted to bring yoga mm. out into the space, especially in the West, and his student, Bikram Chowdhury, is one who was sent out here. The consequences of Bikram is another reason I like to have men on the show is because Bikram unfortunately gave us both an incredible tool with the 26 postures his teacher gave him and yet also a warning aspect of <laughs> the challenges that men in a world with females um, can have. Mm. So what would you say is how you deal with the challenges you just mentioned in your classes? I know you mentioned that trying to break the barrier of the student trying to be either facing just women in the class or trying to be in their ego mind about pictures but what other ways do you find that you deal with these challenges that you mentioned? Um, well I think with 
I think with um, people's, I guess, egoness, wanting to do more in the classes, um, if we're doing like a balanced posture, like Warrior 3 or Art of Chandrasana, Half Moon Pose or yeah. something like that, um, or even Bird of Paradise, anything, I get them to sit and hold it. Nice. Um, and, you know, obviously give them options. Um, but those who've got that egoness and want to go further, right, stat, you know, option two, bring your hands here, option three, option four, so forth. So, and I use them to challenge that. And even when we're doing like King Pigeon Pose or things like that, to provide those options, those who want to go further, right, let's add a little bit of a twist here, things like that. So, and I use that to challenge them. And, you know, it might not be about doing a hundred different postures or different asanas and things like that. But um, there's always different ways that you can challenge someone, exactly. and they just have to realise that or be open to it. And I find that a lot of the time people are closed with it because they have this set idea of what I'm going to get in the class. But I tell everyone who comes to class, or you know, to try the other classes out. Everyone teaches differently, and the best thing that you can learn from it is to take whatever you can from each single teacher from every single one of their classes because you can't just take the same things or expect the same things from one teacher as you do with another, you know. Mm -hmm. So everyone's different, you know, with exactly. as a being and with their thoughts and how they teach and there might be some similarities and things like that, but um, the lesson that I try to get people is take what you can, whether it's from my class or the person mm -hmm. who's who teaches the next class or so forth, um, uh, because there's... You can take everything and be overwhelmed. You can take snippets and bits and pieces and go, right, I know this already, but oh, I've never heard of that phrase before. I never thought about that idea before. I'm going to take that with me and see how I could grow with that thought in not just my physical practice, but, you know, how I interact with other people. And, um, you know, it's just a beautiful journey. But, um, yeah, so I... That you're on. Yeah, so I, you know, I challenge people in those ways and that's how I overcome that whole ego part. You know, some days I'll be like, right, it's a, it's been like a vibrant day. How's everyone feeling? The mood's up, right? I'm going to give you a kick-ass class, and if I find that people are struggling, right, I'll not take it down a notch. I find that some of you just want to go further, right? I'll give you those people those options to go further. So you know, I'll I'll try to meet everyone's needs or how they're feeling, and but also how they can cope with physically. So. That's Love it. That's it. awesome. Yeah, because <laughs> then again, you're giving the listeners, especially those who are teachers, but then students, you're giving them the awareness that it's about understanding where you are. Yeah. As a practitioner, rather than looking at the person next to you, go, oh, "I want to do that. Right, I want to do that." Exactly. So uh, and cause yourself injuries. So it's like, well, no. Let's just pretend it's just you and me. <laughs> right. right. You know. And you can do that as a teacher by giving them the enough variety of aspects of yeah, possibilities. Yeah. And then it was really nice to hear from you about the encouragement of students to discover that, look, as my best friend likes to say, there's over 100 ways to cook a vegan burger. And in the end, you just have to find the one that you like. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, <laughs> Perfect. So if, so if somehow or another uh, I didn't vibe with you, yeah. then I hope that that doesn't take you away from the yoga practice. Right. And that you then go seek out the experience That's that you right. see that befits you That's But right. when they come to your class At least they have the opportunity Of experiencing diversity Yeah, absolutely, yeah And the recognition that I can fit myself here Not I have to fit myself according to my, the image mm. 
that I'm seeing either on Instagram, the person next to me, yeah. or the like. And sometimes I get people coming into class going, oh, no, I can't practice today because I've hurt my wrist. And all. that's okay. We don't have to do any down-facing. You don't do down-facing dogs. You eliminate Deal. that. You're doing child's pose. Right. Or, no, or child's pose or cobra. You know, that's or, you know that's your variations for down-facing dog or do a forearm balance you know forearm balance so uh the dolphin pose when your elbows are yeah. on the floor and your feet are still there but you don't have to tax That's the right, wrist yeah. by having yourself in a complete yeah, down dog exactly half of a down dog so um you know so people don't realize those variations that you can apply so well it's like uh if you had a particular injury or no i don't like using this analogy but it's like saying well someone told you to just walk up to that bridge and just jump off it, would you do it? It's right. like, well, no, because you know logically you're going to hurt yourself. <laughs> so why would you do a posture that's going to hurt yourself? Exactly. Modify it to suit you, you know? So in that analogy, there's a big giant floating, I don't know, platform <laughs> filled with air and you're, you can jump off the bridge, but you're going to be cushioned comfortably of that. You know, I haven't used that part of that analogy. Love I, it. I, I just go. stop See? it. Yes. No, 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 <laughs> about the bridge awesome. part, But, you know, so there's always modifications you could do or say, well, no, I'll just walk two meters on this bridge and then I'll just jump onto this grassy area. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> because, you know, you've modified it to know what your capabilities are. So. And us as teachers provide the context of, of confidence in the student. Yeah, that's and right. And one of the ways is to empower the students by first letting the student recognize, look, you really do know yourself. Yeah. And so I'm here just to give you the options in this experience mm. of discovering yourself deeper. Yeah, and I think... that be I, a way to say what you just said. And I think that's a good, uh, good teacher will do that to give those options and to... So, peop- so students do know that, oh, yeah, these are, the modif- these are my modifications that I need to do today or, you know, or so forth. Or, you know, and the other way is, well, I've always done it this way... And the teacher could recognise that and go, right, you know, you're going to go try doing this option as an enhancement to what you usually do. So in, on both scales, you know, some students can go further but don't realise they can exactly. because they've never done it before. Um, and some students want to go further but they shouldn't because of X amount of injuries or what's, whatever's happening for them. Or where so, they are at that moment. Yeah. And a good teacher, and that's what's nice to be able to talk to an experienced teacher like you, as exemplifies that element, which again, if... Our listeners, some of them are beginning in their teaching styles. Then here's the ability for listening and hearing from more experienced teachers on things that can help fasten their connection to students. And the beginning of it is just meet the students where they are. I heard you say something very beautiful earlier about, well, some students are saying, oh, you could have made the class harder, but they're not realizing that, well, I'm the conductor and I'm conscious of everyone. Yeah. Now, I did, make the, I did give you the options of exploring the postures to your degree, because I realized that I have different levels in the class, mm. and an experienced teacher um, develops that skill of understanding how to offer a pose variation for a brand new person, mm. as well as how to explain the posture direction for an advanced practitioner. Mm. And one of my first teachers pointed out, even an advanced practitioner is not someone who can do all the poses, but an advanced practitioner is one that can just very quickly surrender to the posture. Mm. How, well, how, how do you like that way of putting it? <laughs> yeah, perfect, yeah. So, you know, and obviously, you know, breath comes into it and correct exactly, kind of things. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, no, that's perfect, spot on. Let me ask you, how did you start your yoga practice? Um, well, I used to dance. Oh, nice. Um, so, so when did yeah, you so find th- yoga then? Um, so, so background? Was okay, it part of your dance No, studies? so um, I was doing like a lot of weights and a lot of physical activity. So between my full-time job, so I was... 
dancing on the side. Um, okay. uh, I had a boring desk job. I was working in IT, okay. and people wouldn't believe it. And even when I was working in IT, people were like, oh, but you're so lively. You don't look like one of those IT people. I'm like, well, I'm not. I'm just good with my brain. So, um, But, you know, I was always physically active, so I liked doing lots of gym and cycling and running and rowing. And um, and I just used yoga just as a stretching tool to complement all of that and complement my dancing that I was doing on the side as well. So one second, let me um, stop you because it sounds like yoga was there from a very earlier time. When would you say you, you remember yoga being part of your lexicon? Oh. And, and, I mean, from a young age, it, like when you're starting to lift and think of physical exercise and yoga was already in the background well, no, for you? So yoga would have been in the background probably when I was 18 or 19. What was that, last um, year? <laughs> <laughs> It's been really nice, everyone. Uh, no, so it would have been, oh, uh, 29, no, no, about 20, 21 years old. Okay, so uh, 20, 20, 21 wow, years okay. ago. See, sir, if you guys are listening, <laughs> you know, Frank looks like he's 25. <laughs> no, so I'm That's actually... That's the power of yoga. <laughs> I'm actually 40. No, I've had, I've had gone to, like, different jobs to work at different studios and, uh, and people would ask me, how, how old are you? And I'm like, well... You know, how old do you think I am? I always get like 25, 28. See, like I told you I'm guys. Like 30. <laughs> no, no, I'm actually 40. <laughs> so, um, and yeah, that's probably because of my attitude and my Correct, so a lot of well. different things come into the ability of having a well-being lifestyle. And remember, we started by also talking about how yoga can then enhance our aspects of well-being. Yeah, absolutely. And to talk with individuals that have had yoga in their lives for more than just two years. Yeah, absolutely. And you can see the effects. I mean, all of a sudden, in 20 years, with physical active, that includes breath awareness, that includes good movement awareness, then we all know what the secrets of long, healthy life are. It's not like people don't know that exercise, eating healthy, and yeah, thinking well are going to make you live better, look better. No. And so it's just an exemplification of that when I get to talk to different yoga teachers as a validation that, okay, yeah, maybe I've only been two years or three years in my practice, but just keep with it because if you keep with it, then the effects are cumulative. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I've noticed like in my earlier days when I stopped for periods and you know my life would get a bit hectic and even mentally I would go a bit crazy and, and then as soon as I return back to the mat or back into the studio or so forth, um, you feel a lot more grounded and that's the effect that I found. That's, you know, that's what really got me I guess drawn into it all I really started to be aware that that was happening for me so um, and that's, and I can just continue on that so wow. so um, that I'm hearing that like you had a moment of inspiration from the yoga practice that shifted the yoga practice from just in the background to something a little bit more in the foreground yeah so I found um, a particular yoga studio who I eventually did a two-year apprenticeship with okay uh, at a school called Yoga Dance of Life. It's in Melbourne. Um, and so I've, I've seen him on and off for about 10 years when I would go to specific studios around Melbourne. This is buddy. the main owner or the main teacher of the studio? Yeah. Studies. What's his name, if you don't um, mind? His name is Johannes. I can't remember his surname. It's like a big alphabet. Okay, that's great. That's all right. <laughs> but can, Yoga we, Dance we'll of Life, it, that's we'll all you need to know. put it down there in, in the comments <laughs> below. But Johannes, we're giving you a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> An amazing, amazing teacher. Um, and I just loved his style. Um, and yeah, and I guess I could... I was drawn to him because, one, I guess because he was male um, and he did give options and we were able to push ourselves 
um, and if we wanted to, um, we did a lot of partnering work and lots of things that I, you know, wouldn't have done. Otherwise. Wouldn't have done otherwise. No. So, um, so I saw things things differently, and he 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 was the first person that really taught me the power of savasana. Um, you know, course Final post, so, yeah. Um, because I'm like, okay. I remember my first class doing it with him. I'll be like, okay, well, I'm just going to stretch my hips a little bit more in, you know, king pigeon pose. Laying down. No, I don't want to lay <laughs> down. And he's like, his, he just came up to me straight away. and said, just lie down, just chill out. So, and, and I did. And it's like, okay. And then I've just sunk completely into the earth. And it's like, wow, you know. So, um, yeah, yeah. It was just I never forgot that. I so, can and, hear it. That's a profound moment. Yeah. Man. So, I, and I, I get that was my more about that. Well, that was my shift really of going. You know, this is yoga is pretty special, and I just kept seeing him continuously. And even you know, I changed different companies with work and whatever, or we moved organisations, and then I bumped into other yoga teachers who were, I guess, followers of him, so to speak, um, uh, and learned different things off them, and eventually got drawn back to him and a few yoga retreats with him. And I think like after 10 years of practicing, I decided, you know, I spent a whole year deciding, well, where I'm going to research, I wanted to do some research of where to study. Um, and I was a pretty unwell at that time, and I didn't want to go overseas because I thought if something happened, I wanted to be, stay in Australia, um, just because of our medical reasons. Yeah, medical reasons, and, you know, just Australia's got good medical, you know. Uh, system. Yeah, system, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, and I didn't know where to go. I was conflicted between these two these two studios and so I approached Johannes and I said oh I think of this one and he said oh I've heard the theory is really really good and I said well yeah that's what drawn me to it and he's like but you know one student left there and she told me yeah the theory was great but she still doesn't know how to teach and I thought oh crap I don't want to spend all that money and do that and I said well he was the other one I was thinking but yeah I'm not sure and then he just said just come do a two year apprenticeship with me nice. I'm like well how does that work he goes well you just help out and just attend as much as you can and learn as much as you can and be hands on as much as you can and I'll just teach as much as I can and wow um, uh, and he goes and that's it and, and he goes I've seen your practice and I'm really looking for another male teacher so and that, that was my foot in the door really of that aspect so that's how it became teaching and learning hands on and, and which was great because learning how to do adjustments and corrections and different situations if a person couldn't do this you know he really taught me of how to be aware and how to you know, you connect with a person on a different level Correct. that you don't even know that's Correct. happening. And uh, I remember one time in class, two things in class. One time in class, um, he was getting everyone in one particular posture, I can't remember what, um, and this woman, no chance in how I could do it. So I moved it. We had bars, like ballet bars yeah. at the studio. So I moved it to the bar and just got her hands into prayer over her back with the elbows on the bar just to help open up her shoulders because her shoulders and chest were just so compressed like a turtle uh, and so I went to see him oh, where he came I just walked gently to him and he's like oh get this woman in and he just looked across the room and go oh you've done it already that's fantastic so, you know it's just like I, I don't know how or why I thought about getting her in that but I just did right. and that's what he would have done and that was a nice thing and my second moment there you know, of, I guess, being my whole awareness thing, um, the two things that I remember. The second one was um, his partner was in the room and it was a full studio. It was maybe like 35-degree heat and really bad air conditioning. So we had the doors open and the ceiling fans on. And um, and I just touched her hip gently just to relax her hip down in, I think we were in Sukhasana or 
she must have been in full lotus or something like that. So I just drawn her hip just gently down and she came to me after class and she said, Frank, that adjustment was just so beautiful. I could feel you, but it was so light that I could just do it myself. And I thought that, that was really good feedback. And it was nice to see what my tradition was at the very start going, okay, I'll just adjust you and it'll just be like moving, literally like picking up your hand and moving it there. It's like, you know, and, you, and it, because if your eyes are quiet, it'll be with force and you don't even realise that right. to building up to do something so gentle that it's like a feather, not even. And well, you know, it was a nice moment. So That's beautiful. <laughs> and your experience in terms of going into teaching because you had such a progressive ability with your teacher and the fact that he encouraged you in the manner that is different than how most teacher trainers yeah yeah and i was really fortunate so uh that's what i'm really good with well i believe like my strengths are with alignments and adjusting people and things like that i'm really being hands-on and i've noticed in time well over the years i've taught a lot of teachers don't have that unless they do a specific course just to know how to adjust people and i've had teachers say to me oh i don't really don't know how to adjust i'm like oh it's easy you know just you know for me it's easy but, but you know because i've got taught you had that way the full two years of doing that and right. seeing that every day and you know so yeah i feel very fortunate very lucky so I articulate the same just because I come from the Ashtanga practice and the Ashtanga practice consists of my sort type mm. practice with a teacher that comes around to adjust. Yeah. So having been under Tim Miller for two years, I remember leaving and then just discovering as I went out to the rest of the yoga world and just how much I got by having a person that was more or less like a mentor. Mm. Because here I was coming every day, I'm being adjusted every day, I'm watching him adjust every day, I have a chance to understand, feeling mm. in touch. One of the reasons I came to Thailand the first time was to suggest that I was going to go learn Thai massage to help me improve my touch. And even coming here, I ended up with this Thai massage master who was not trying to do like a, like a Thai massage school, like everyone comes here for five days and does some Thai massage school, or everyone just does a 200 hour in a month or so, mm. but rather as an extended period to see a person touching, adjusting, mm. moving. And when you see that and you're exposed to actually watching someone, how they really interact with different bodies mm. and how they make you then realize that you're either abrupt, like you just said, there's a difference between in the beginning grabbing a new yeah. hand and then learning how to guide that hand. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> and it takes time because it's a completely different expression of movement. Yeah. And just because I might jump into a three-day workshop doesn't mean that you cultivate those skills. Those skills can be begun in a workshop but they have to be mastered that's through right exactly. practice and awareness and yeah. seeing good teachers doing that yeah and people don't realize a lot of times i mean with anything everything takes time everything takes okay? time the one thing that goes is time regardless right. where we are time's still going to go right so you just got to just relax chill out <laughs> be in the moment and just ride that journey of time and yeah. wherever that goes it just Go with it. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's going to be the title of the, t of, the, of, the, of the podcast, you know? Ride with the time. Ride with the time. <laughs> so let me ask you, what does your yoga practice consist of? Uh, so I usually try to practice every single day. I mean, I teach every single day, and I really didn't want to teach a yoga class every single day, but that's the way life's... That's how time that's decided. How, that's how time decided, and that's fine. So, um, and I've made adjustments over the years, so... I do teach every day or I don't teach every day. So now at the moment I do teach every day. So And that's okay and I'm fine with that. Um, so either before class or sometimes after class, I do my own practice. And when I'm having an easy day or I can say there's a public holiday and there's no class, I'll just do my own practice or invite a few friends over in my studio and 
just run a class or even drive to the beach or go to a park and meditate or do a practice of some sort. So um, one less, one, I remember one time I was doing some training up in Byron Bay um, in New South Wales in Australia and um, there was an older lady there and she said to me, with some tears in her eyes, I don't know, maybe she was having a moment, I don't know, um, but uh, she said, you know, you give so much, she said, meditate. The one thing I can tell you, meditate, meditate, Frank. And so that's the one thing that's been on and off in my whole life, teaching or practicing yoga. So um, and it's always stuck, you know, when she said that uh, a few years ago, it stuck with me. So I went back to meditating every day. Um, uh, and then, you know, things get in the way, renovations, this, this, whatever. Um, so, you know, and, you know, so at the moment it's on and off at the moment. And so my journey is to get that switch back on and make that time to meditate again. And I've started that again and it will happen and I'll be patient with it and, you know, it will progress further. And as I said, like with the whole time aspect, you've got that time and you'll make that time, but you know, don't force it. It will happen when it's right. And I think that's the greatest, one of the greatest things I've had to learn with through injuries of car accidents and things like that or other crazy things that's happened in my life is that just have patience and give yourself the time to heal, to grow, to be and to move with that. Nice, I love that. That's a great message for listeners as well as to me especially because I totally um, relate to your words because life does have its challenges. I have a daily practice Mm. but life has its challenges, Mm. you know, and after 25 years I can look back and notice moments where life seemed to be so overwhelming mm. that practice, even though it's beneficial, seemed to be just the last thing that uh, my body or my mind mm. would move into. And then when we do make our way back to the mat and we've realized, okay, I needed a little moment for myself, mm. and now the mat is there for me and the so, practice is there for me. Mm. So and I find that uh, people have this idea of, oh, well, your own practice should be, you know, uh, like Surinamska A or B or whatever whatever uh but like this morning i did my own practice oh well i did two um i did one on the beach half an hour because that's all we had time for with my friends so i did my practice with them Uh, but then uh today i just lied on the floor in my room and i've got a back injury that i've had for many years from a really bad car accident and i just have to look after myself and teaching so much or doing things all the time through my normal day-to-day life I just push it aside and so I made the time today because it's been on my mind the last few days that I need to get into that and sort that shit out and so and I did so I just stretched how I needed to stretch that area and breathe and sit with that more, nice. like, a, more like a yin or moving yin mm-hmm. practice with that area and um, it was great and it was only 20 minutes and that was fine Fantastic. So, and that, that can be a practice you know and I consist that as a see that as a practice you know rather than okay let's do the sun salutations or um, particular postures or keep it flowy or whatever and, uh, and I think people not not are daunted but uh, like okay well this is what my a practice should be so well no a practice can be whatever you want it to be mm. uh, whether it's five minutes or ten minutes or you know 90 minutes if you want um, and some days it might, you know, you might find a day where it is 90 minutes. You might find a day where it's just five minutes. And that's okay. And yes. you have to be okay with it as long as you know that, okay, well, that's a crazy time and a busy time and 
very time poor, but there will be those moments of, you know, you'll be time rich and you'll make those adjustments when you want or when, when they're available, and that's okay. You have to be okay with that. And that's a great message because, correct, like if you put too much pressure on trying to create a practice, well, now it's defined, now it goes against what practice is designed exactly. for. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I realize you answered, but you obviously are a full time yoga teacher right mm. now. Is that the most primary way that you're making your income at the moment? Yeah, so like I was, I was working full time uh, in IT, and then I put my hand up for redundancy, thank God for that. Mm-hmm. Um, then I was renovating at home, so I built my own double story studio at home. So you have your studio. Out of your home environment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the same studio still that you own? Uh, well, well. Okay. <laughs> uh, so this was our first home, and we renovated the whole backyard, destroyed it, and made it all nice and beautiful and romantic, and I miss it dearly, but um, that's okay. Um, and so you got to sell? And, and that's, when I st- well, that's when I started doing the yoga training, the two-year apprenticeship, oh, okay. which was a really good time because I was just doing bits and pieces of work, sign writing. Um, some artwork as well, teaching art. So mm-hmm. I teach a bit of art as well um, in my spare time. And I do life modeling. I've been doing life modeling for about 17 years. Mm-hmm. And I'm bloody great at it. <laughs> awesome. I did life modeling for a little bit in college. Okay. I but, you know, having a dance background as well and, like, uh, you know, practicing or teaching yoga, you know, that helps as well because you know how to support yourself and things like that, yes. you know, physically yes. um, and mentally. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, so then I got offered... A contract position back in IT, which was a bit of a surprise, but I thought, well, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, money, basically money. Um, So then we eventually sold our house, moved into a bigger property, uh, which my partner was very happy about, and we renovated the whole double garage into an even more beautiful studio, um, which I run art classes from, and I've run some yoga classes from as well. But then I stopped the yoga classes because life was just too busy. And I, and because I was teaching yoga at other places, everything was just too chaotic. And I just really wanted to be present. So I thought I'll just run my art classes. So eventually I made the shift about two years ago when being on a contract with work, the contract ended up being on a monthly contract in the end. And so I did it for one month. And then the second month I decided, yep, no, you know, I need, I need a three or four month break. Um, and then... They said, okay, no worries, we'll call you when we're ready. I go, yeah, no worries, you've got my number. Anyway, so then I heard about one month later, um, my boss had left, and all the funding went out, so it was just perfect timing. That's awesome. <laughs> so I've, I've been teaching yoga full-time for nearly two years, um, but I've been teaching yoga for five and a half years. Fantastic, that's as a beautiful. Teacher, so. oh, congratulations. Yeah, and thanks. what's the name of the studio? Oh, Salt Yoga Studio. Salt oh, Yoga Studio, fantastic. We'll have those linked right there. So now that you have had all this experience, both from practicing, being an apprenticeship, teaching now, what mm. kind of a tips would you give to yourself if you're starting your journey all from, from the beginning? Oh. <laughs> um, never stop learning. Don't be afraid to learn. Svadhyaya comes to my mind the minute you say that. Svadhyaya <laughs> is the Patanjali word about self-knowledge, That's right. So, you know, and... Well, and I say don't be afraid to learn because, you know, when we die, we still haven't learned everything at all. So, and, you know, you have to be okay with that. Um, and so, and I'm okay with that. So, uh, but you learn that, you know, you realise that whenever you do. So, um, so that's one thing I would say. And um, no matter how much you teach yoga, um, always make time for yourself. 
whether that's actually attending a class for yourself, not to teach, um, or yeah, just make some time for yourself to teach yoga. And my other third advice is meditate. Meditate, bitch, meditate. (laughs) (laughs) And what would you give as a tip as a meditation? I mean, do you use a meditation like app or do you use an audio no, meditation no. so else? I start do you to meditate like mindfulness on the breath of the body or do you have yeah. a different tip for the listener no so usually it's mindfulness with the breath of the body so I usually try to find a quiet space I mean here in Thailand we've got the beach so I've been at the beach every single morning and meditating and people I get back and they're like oh did you go for a swim I'm like no I just sat on the beach and meditated nice. so I'll do a bit of a physical practice and I'll just sit there and meditate probably for like 20 minutes or so um, but you know back at home uh, a lot of some places that I teach at are a lot of gymnasiums and they'll have a sauna so uh, usually after I teach a class and I'll do a bit of my own practice whether it's before or after the class I'll just sit in the sauna and I'll just meditate Fabulous. that's why when you took me to that sauna today yes. <laughs> at Lifeco um, yeah I loved it I know I could have sat there for ages Yeah, <laughs> and that's why I wasn't engaged in conversation because I was just sitting and just focusing on my third eye And so yeah so my meditation practice is uh, uh Having a comfortable seat, whether you're lying down, whether you're actually sitting upright or leaning against something. Um, sometimes the hips can be higher than the feet just to be more comfortable with your hips. And um, being comfortable with the arms, whether the palms are down or forward. Um, and once I focus on the breath completely, I draw to my third eye and I, and I tell people, because they ask me in classes how do I meditate and sometimes we practice it in class um, on a regular basis and I talk about the third eye being a tunnel and I say you know just let everything just wash away and focus on travelling through a tunnel and take your time in this tunnel and you might see a figure or an eye or a light and go to just keep following this tunnel Ignoring everything else, letting everything go of feelings of angst or frustration, all these heavy things that we carry with us every single day or for God knows how many years we've carried, just start to let them go, like dirty laundry, and just until you're lighter. And eventually, it's just a tunnel and it's just, you know, you might go to a place of serenity, whether it's sitting on a treetop or on top of a hill or in a grassy field with full of flowers or no flowers or on a beach or you've, you know your quiet place when you when you know and um, and you just stay there and that's okay and that's 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 what I do I always use my third eye and uh, some people don't that's okay they just focus on the way the breath moves and sometimes I talk about particularly in Shavasana uh, particularly on a hot day I talk about the breath like a gentle wave like the, like the shore like a wave kissing the shore and going back into the sea so cleansing, yes. like salt, like the wave, like taking your bad energy away into nothingness, but feeding your body with all this goodness. So that's a really great tip. I love it. That's awesome. Um, I mean, you guys got some seriously great yeah. gems right now. <laughs> being able to take a meditation practice on a very magical level. And it just articulates, as you said, I'm letting go. Mm. Brought to mind Patanjali's second sutra, Yoga Chitta Vritti Nirodaha. Yoga is the calming of the turnings mm. of our mind. And once you realize that, then people, then you'll then know people you are. it's nice to see the shift in students when they go, Oh, I could see particular class. Oh, I, I had this moment, it, I just felt so restful, so at peace, or you know, and it's lovely to see that, you know, because they're making the transition of, Oh, it's not just a physical practice, Correct. it's 
mindfulness, it's breath, it's this, it's this, it's everything just interconnects. It's my relationship with the person next to me, with, the, with people outside. Right, right. No, that's so, it's magical. lovely to see that. So, yeah. And that's what I like to see. <laughs> that's the fun part of being yoga teachers and so. kind of seeing the experiences that unveil to the people that come mm. to the yoga class, especially as we're able to guide them on mm. experiences. Because at the end, it's about them taking the experience mm. and hopefully us just discovering as teachers what that experience was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like taking someone on a meal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can do my best to make the best meal I can, but it's more about the experience that you have with the food once you start eating it. Mm. And when food is coming from the heart, then it really doesn't matter how it's made because it has something special in it. Are you hungry? <laughs> I just had a great lunch. <laughs> but with that idea, I mean, if, if I'm, I mean, that's about me being hungry. The lunch we had was super delicious. Yeah, and it was filling. lovely. <laughs> um, but let's let's for a moment consider, in your opinion, some of the challenges that you see to yoga teachers coming into the market today. Um, there's a massive influx of yoga teachers, and so I saw someone post on Facebook a few weeks ago I've got my own studio I'm doing all the right things I'm struggling to get lots of people and I just made a comment and probably shouldn't have done it but I made a general comment saying um, the unfortunate reality is that there's so many yoga studios out there and the more they pop up the more everyone competes with each other into I guess a suffocating market so to speak you know it used to be like a niche and now it's just like any cafe, you know, you can go there, you know, within a kilometre or one mile. You know, Americans still yes, with the mileage. Okay, so I'll say a mile. Um, but we have leaders you know, all over the world. Okay, all right. Or kilometre, mile, whatever, whatever metric you like. Um, uh, you know, there just used to be like four or five, or there used to just be like three or four studios within that, um, that distance. <laughs> um, but um, now, and that was like 15 years ago, and now there's about 20 of them you know, or 20 or 25, and, you know, within a year, within a year, some of them would, wouldn't exist, you know, but, and new ones will pop up, and so forth, so, you know, it's, it's the unfortunate reality is that there's, there's a massive influx of yoga teachers, um, which I guess is a good, you know, can be a good thing if you want to learn more for your own yogic journey, um, but in terms of employment and things like that, that's a massive challenge, so, um, I think... To How do you see that impact on yoga students? <sighs> um, well, with well on yoga students, I hear some students say, uh, "Oh, this yoga teacher isn't that great," or "This one is good," or so forth. So I, I just I question the quality of this of yoga that's being delivered. that's being delivered on this massive influx of yoga teachers. So it just makes me wonder, you know, what are people being taught, and are there are these good quality courses, or what are they covering, or what are aren't they covering that? Maybe it's not the maybe it's not what they're covering, but maybe it's are they preparing the teachers properly enough to be in the room to teach people? And if they don't have that experience in their training, then um, then that might be a problem. I don't know. I, I hear you. And that's why it's nice for me to hear comments from other people as opposed to just me. Yeah, and, I, and I'm not perfect, and I'm not saying I'm perfect no, at all. No, not that. It's just about it. being able to take an honest look at what goes yeah. on in our world today. Yeah. Let me ask you, do you have any tips? I mean, you gave some awesome tips just a little bit ago, but would you have any specific tips for new yoga teachers coming out into the market? Um, don't be afraid to approach studios or, I guess, gymnasiums. Yes. Um, if, if you already attend gyms already, and put yourself out there. Um, 
the worst they can do is say, no, we're not looking for someone, but at least you've tried and you might, don't be afraid to talk to other people, whether it's in, whether it's a class that you attend, um, because uh, that might lead to something else along the way. So I guess having conversations and... Um, creating connections. Creating connections, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, like I, even, even after I did my two-year apprenticeship, um, I got my first gig at a gym that I was a member of and she was happy for me to teach the class um, because the teacher const- would constantly not attend or they had such a, uh, I guess, erratic schedule. yeah, erratic schedule with their teachers, you know, okay, we'll have to get another one and they will only last a month and then a new one and so forth. So, so that was my first regular class and I've got that, you know, after five years later, you know, I've still got that class. So, and that, that's nice. So, um, um, yeah, having those connections and putting yourself out there and even if you, you know, I guess a good thing to set up is set yourself up with like a, like you're doing like an interview, but having constructed via emails and this is me, this is what I'm about, this is what the style I teach, da da da. Um, and don't be afraid to put yourself out there and just send it to five or ten. And, you know, it's, you'll find that when you do start teaching yoga, you're happy to take jobs here or there. It could be like, 20 kilometres away or quite a far distance away and that's okay um, but you'll find that you know as you do teach more that your travel to these places will become very not critical but very more, more important for you you know because you're sitting there driving or you're riding your bike which would be great right. if you've got that time but you'll find that you become you can become very time poor so you know, choose where you really want to teach, and it might it might just last a year or two or twenty years. Um, but you know, don't be so selective at the start. But then you'll find that as you as you do teach on a more regular basis, you'll be able to find a schedule that suits you well, and places and studios or other gymnasiums that suit you well and your schedule and the environments. Like I I teach at a gymnasium which is right near the beach. And I thought, why the hell am I driving 15Ks or 13Ks? Sometimes I'll ride my bike, 7 o'clock in the morning. So from my house, I'll leave about 5.30 mm. if I ride my bike. Wow. But, you know, on a summer day, it's gorgeous. It's right. beautiful. Um, and, and I thought to myself, oh, I can't do this anymore. And the only thing that kept me going was, I'm near the beach, goddammit. And this is the only time I get to connect with the water and with the beach. And I could just go there to the beach after class do my practice, I could go for a jog, I could meditate on the beach, I could do whatever I want because I'm at the beach. So, and I use that as my time. So otherwise I would never see the beach, ever. Wow. So, and that's why I suck. And then I got back-to-back classes eventually there. So, and, you know, I'm hoping to get another class in that area through a studio that's nearby there as well. So, you know, eventually those things will come. But, you know... You have to put yourself out there. Put yourself out there and, uh, you know, opportunities will come eventually. So, and, you know give any place a go and you'll know whether that's the right fit for you or not it might be the right fit for you now but in a year or two time it might not be and that's okay be okay with that don't feel bad and that's what our message has been throughout the entire time where try to find ease with what you're doing yeah. not and, a challenge yeah and be comfortable with change and change happens because of that right. that journey of time <laughs> two things that are, are constant that's change and time exactly you know time will always make a change that's, and that's right. your constant that's right and you can move with that change or go against that change but the change will happen and regardless, you know, regardless. And so going against the grain yeah. is tends to be causing us more challenges that's right and <laughs> the difficulties 
That's learning right. to move with the flow is the beauty of yoga practice, That's like right. our breath. That's right. Frank, I can't tell you how incredible <laughs> this conversation has been for me. And I hope that the listeners have enjoyed this just as much. And I know that many of them are by far taking a lot from it. Oh, is there any final That's tips you want to give before we let the listeners continue on with whatever their moments of inspiration take them? Keep on breathing, baby. Keep on breathing. <laughs> Keep on breathing with awareness. Because you're breathing already. That's now right. just be conscious of your breath. Don't be like a smurf. Don't turn blue. Just breathe just and breathe. let that breath in oh, and out. Right. <laughs> you know, but hey, you know, Smurfette is kind of cool to hang out with. So. <laughs> really, thank you so much. No it's been a real been pleasure. pleasure. Likewise, and, likewise. Um, just real quick, like, is, do you want to give them a website or something? Is there anything in particular that you want to tell them on how to connect with you? Or should we just leave it when you... When I put the information in the... No, I put the info on the podcast, but it's Salt Yoga Studio in a suburb called Thornbury in Melbourne, Victoria. Fantastic. So, so you'll have Frank's information on how to reach him on the link. But if you're in Melbourne, Australia, then definitely look up at Salt Yoga Studio. Correct. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank and you very much. I hope much. you have a great time. Thank you for listening, everyone. You have an incredible day. Namaste.